0: Welcome to Unsuitable on Ray Radio, the award-winning financial services and business advisory podcast that challenges your old-school business practices and their traditional business suit culture. Our guests are industry professionals and experts who will challenge you to think beyond the suit and tie while offering you meaningful modern solutions to help enhance your company's growth. I'm your host, Dave Kane. Owning real estate has always been considered to be a valuable asset, particularly when the land becomes a source of revenue. But with the reward of revenue and cash comes the cost associated with taxes, estate planning, and other red tape. Today's guest is going to identify tactics and strategies that can help you maximize the value of your land while minimizing your tax liability. Brian Kemp, a principal in Ray's Millersburg, Ohio office, is famous for developing tax strategies and opportunities for landowners, especially if you're using your land as a source of income or you've inherited some land that is leaving you looking for ways to minimize your tax liability. Let's get started to find out a little bit more about these tax strategies. Welcome to Unsuitable, Brian. Thanks, Dave. It's good to be here. Good. I wanted to start out looking as I looked at your bio, and 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 I know you quite well. I wanted to compliment you on your leadership positions in your community. As I look at your resume, the leadership positions are as long as your arm. So... Well done. Well, thank you. I, you. You're known as a leader in your community and uh, within the firm, so you've definitely invested yeah. in your community. I, en- I enjoy helping out our community. So fantastic! You know, also noticed uh, that one of your hobbies uh, that you've listed is uh, is cooking. Yes, you know, this time of year, are,
1: are you do a lot of grilling? I do a lot of grilling. I we have a garden too, which I enjoy doing. So we eat a lot out of our garden. I enjoy grilling stop and get meat at the local grocery store and pick vegetables out of the garden and make something, whatever I feel like making that night.
0: So are you a gas
1: grill or charcoal
0: grill, open fire with a little of both?
1: I'm a gas grill for convenience for the most part, but I do, I like smoking if I have a time, if I have time to do it, pork, beef, chicken, you name it, goes on the smoker.
0: What's your favorite recipe?
1: probably for the smoker. I enjoy doing pork, uh, okay. some well, pork good shoulder, Memphis pork yeah. shoulder. Yeah. That's probably one of the, probably one of the easiest things for smoking and one of my favorite as well.
0: Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So I, I, uh, imagine your wife enjoys that, uh, having you take, uh, now who does the cleanup, uh, uh, after the cooking? Uh, we
1: share it depends on what else we have to do that evening. And, Who wants to play with the children or who, which children one has to be playing with them? So, Uh,
0: who needs a bath and all that jazz, huh?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Great. Um,
0: You know, as we uh, mentioned in the uh, intro, we're going to talk about um, uh, a rather complex uh, set of strategies uh, surrounding real estate. And I think you've mentioned to me that uh, uh, what we're going to talk about is the current agricultural use value, also known as CAUV. I think you see that in the real estate, uh, uh, duplicates and invoices. So tell us a little bit about
1: what the current ag use value means. Yeah, well, this applies, uh, largely to farmers and landowners. Uh, I live up in Wayne County, so there's still a substantial amount of farm and, uh, agriculture up there. Uh, So the CAUV, the current agricultural use value, applies to real estate taxes. If you own a commercial property, uh, the county will come in, do an assessment of the value, and you'll pay real estate taxes based on that value. If you own land that you use for commercial farming, commercial agriculture, you are entitled to a reduced rate for your real estate taxes. So rather than being taxed on the greatest use of your land, you can be taxed at an agricultural use, which can be anywhere between 25 and I think the state average is 53% of the market value. So you can save, you know, 75 to 50% on your real estate taxes. Okay, well, let uh, let me give you an example, see if I...
0: Uh, understand that you mentioned in the opening we were talking about uh, cooking and gardening and you you must have uh, uh, a really awesome garden so let's say that uh, you know you had uh, 10 acres which I think you 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 would have to have to have that let's say you took those uh, vegetables from that garden out uh, to roadside stand which is commercial Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you sold that could you apply for the
1: Uh, agricultural use value yep that's a great example yeah if you have 10 acres or more um, you are eligible for the CAUV program Uh, you can have 10 acres or less but you do have to uh, prove that you had at least $2,500 of revenue from those uh, less than 10 acres so, uh, if I had ten acres of vegetables, um, I could apply for the program as long as I can show that I've had at least three years of production uh, from those three from those ten acres. It's a program that's administered by each county, so you'd have to fill so out d- an application. different by
0: county, county by county.
1: It is the program is a statewide program, but it's administered by each county. So each person would have to go to their respective county that they own the land in, in order to get the CAUV. Is this difficult to to do? Is it a lot of red tape or it just takes a little bit of time? It's not terribly difficult. It's a, a two-page application to get into the program. You provide some data. If you have more than 10 acres, it's it's even easier because you don't have to have that income requirement. So it's not terribly difficult the main thing is just that you can prove that it's that it's being used for agricultural use
0: Um,
1: otherwise it's not it's not difficult you do have to renew on an annual basis and there's a small fee when you when you apply in the first place but it's it's not terribly difficult to get in so
0: if um, you mentioned uh, have to have uh, $2,500 of income Mm-hmm. Or I, I assume that's revenue, revenue, not net
1: income. Not net income. That's so you a don't good have point. to
0: prove whether you had a profit on that
1: venture or not. Exactly right. So if you sold chickens or vegetables or hay or uh, whatever you did with it, or if you rent it out and you rent it for $2,500 or more, you can also qualify. So you don't have to be the one producing it. You can be renting it out and still qualify for the uh, CAUV. So, so if I uh, had a, a a business
0: out back that was repairing uh, farm related equipment, mm-hmm. uh, that would also apply. That would not apply. That would not apply. Exactly. It has to be used in agriculture. In agriculture, even though I'm doing a service for an ag business, that would not apply. So there is a little bit of definition there. You have to work uh, work through.
1: Exactly. There are certain. Certain things, uh, there's, you can get into a lot of details, but there's certain things that, that qualify for CAUV, but traditional agriculture is what they're, what they're after. Okay. So let's, uh, let's talk about a few examples.
0: I think our, so our listeners get a, get a feel, um, you know, what we're talking about on the CAUV, um, obviously we use the example of, um, uh, vegetable garden, which mm-hmm. might be, you know, we th- we think of the traditional farming as traditional farming, but yeah. there are some other things that may qualify, yeah. like the gardening, the roadside uh, stand. Yep. What about if I had a Christmas tree farm? Mm-hmm. That, that could
1: also could qualify. also apply. Exactly.
0: What if I had uh, ambitions
1: of timber harvesting? Timber. Yep. And that's that's another good planning point. So. One thing that you can do is if you have, uh, let's say you have a 20-acre parcel and 12 acres are used for a tillable acreage and you're farming them and you have eight acres that are also timber, the eight acres of timber, even though they are not used for farming, if they're adjacent to the land that, you, that is being used for farming, it can qualify under CAUV as well. Okay. So, so again,
0: do um, you, you see as you talk to clients and prospects, is this being overlooked?
1: Traditionally, what I see is that the program is not being overlooked, but there are some planning points that you can, that you can use. Uh, one is if you have multiple parcels that are adjacent to each other. So let's say you own three, four acre parcels. You know, one parcel is less than 10 acres, but if they are all adjacent and they're all the same ownership, you can lump all three parcels to make a 12 acre parcel that would qualify under CAUV. So that's one point that's, that is not always, that's, that is sometimes overlooked. Another is if you have, let's say you own some land personally and you also own some land through a real estate partnership group. And maybe your wife owns some land, so you have three different ownership groups, and each as a four-acre parcel. Because they are not the same ownership, they will not. You can't lump them together and qualify. If you were able to have the same ownership on all three parcels, you could then qualify uh, for CAUV. And you know, at, at twelve acres, it may not be a, a big deal. But if if you add them up, it can start to save some real dollars, and on an annual basis as well. You know, it just occurred to me, you know, uh, thinking about
0: current events within the state of Ohio and the uh, influx or the medical marijuana about to to hit,
1: I would assume that would qualify. That's a great question. I would assume that it could qualify, but that will probably be one of the things that would have to be uh, spelled out in the regulations. So it's more to, I mean, there's
0: a lot of grayer, but that, that, Could be one, and I've not seen or heard that, but that's possibly
1: one that would... Because, you know, growing vegetables and other uh, plant life would would qualify. Okay. Before we move on to some other tax strategies, um, uh,
0: what kind of dollar amounts are we talking or discounts from the real estate tax are we talking
1: about uh, if you uh, are approved for the CAUV? yeah that's a great question so in Wayne county, I think that the discount is somewhere around forty percent of market value okay uh so it depends on it it depends on a lot of things there's thirty five hundred different soil types in Ohio, and the value is based I mean, part of the value is based on that soil type and so the c a u v the value varies from soil type and it varies. You know, from each county as well. So you could see a savings where you pay any, anywhere between twenty. I think the lowest is around 21 percent of market value, up to a little over fifty some percent. But uh, in in Wayne County, a lot of what I see is yeah, between around thirty uh, percent in our area. So a significant amount of savings. So you have you know farmers that are paying twenty twenty thousand of real estate taxes, which seems high. But when you consider that they could be paying 60000 right. or 70000 right. in real estate taxes, it's, it's substantial savings. Well, what would
0: happen under the situation if you were to um, stop farming, maybe stop farming all the parcels it becomes you know under the, under the area, or you rest a field
1: uh, for a year or so, um, do you have to give it back? That's a good question. So if you are letting a field go fallow for a year, you would not have to pay it back if your intention is to return it to agricultural use. But if you were to develop it, let's say, or sell a parcel off to an outside party, if you remove it from agricultural use, the buyer is required to pay back to the state three years of savings. So uh, it could be a couple thousand dollars that the buyer would have to repay if they are buying land that was in CAUV previously yeah. i think what uh, as we sit here and talk
0: and look at your notes um you definitely are an expert and famous in the agribusiness tax strategies in planning it's just you know it's not the same as a regular business there's a lot of stuff that uh that's going on mind if i ask you a few questions regarding no, tax strategies go ahead. okay land can i
1: write off land I buy a parcel. Can I write it off? That is a that is a question I get fairly often. And the answer is always no. You cannot write off the land itself. But there are some ways that you can recoup some of your costs. A lot of times what we see is someone will buy a farm, let's say a 120-acre farm. Traditionally, they're buying a family farm. So you're going to buy 120 acres, but you're also buying a, a you know, a hundred year old farmhouse and some farm buildings and fence and other miscellaneous structures. So one planning point is when you do buy a farm, we need to look at everything that's on that parcel and potentially you can break out some of the other assets and write those assets off or at least get some depreciation out of them. Like a farm building, the fence, bin, exactly. Stuff like that. Um, all of those things can be written off through depreciation
0: and and typically that might be included in the purchase document uh,
1: as one number so you gotta work hard to get the the allocation that's usually what we see not not too many people are giving us an allocation of assets uh, through the through a farm purchase because it's traditionally just real estate about easements conservation
0: easements utility easements uh, other type of easements you see that you know, I, I, I've i read some things on that and, and had some discussion and c- kind of confusing. <laughs>
1: kind it of is, a lot confusing. It, it is confusing and it can get complicated. It's not for everyone, but there are some strategies on getting some very nice tax write-offs uh, if your intention is to conserve your land basically forever. So there are ways through conservation easements that you can get a deduction for the reduced value from your fair market value, let's say just selling it, selling your land at an auction, compared to the value of the land that can never be developed. So if you have a 10-acre parcel that you could sell for $10,000 an acre, it's worth $100,000, but you put it into this conservation easement, it's never allowed to be developed. And so now the land might be worth two thousand dollars an acre. You can get a deduction on your tax return for the difference of eight thousand dollars per acre that you can use to write off against your other income.
0: What type of documentation, I guess and maybe that's not the right term, but
1: how do you how do you Document that. Verify it. Yeah. It has to be valued by someone who does valuations for conservation easements generally. Very Um, specialized. Yes, it is very specialized. Um, You have to follow some very specific rules um, because it, it turns out to be a fairly substantial deduction, especially if you're putting a hundred acres into this program, you can, you can yield some substantial tax savings. So you want to make sure you have your ducks in a row before you do this. Uh, but it, and, and make sure you follow the letter of the law as well. Uh, because when it, when, or if you do get audited, you want to be able to provide all that documentation. You know, you can tell by some of the questions
0: I'm a city boy. So, you know, (laughs) They, the, the farm corporations don't want a
1: city boy doing their return because they don't live it. they don't feel it, they don't see it. Yeah, exactly. yeah you, you I, know I grew up on a farm and so I, I'm still uh, very tied into that community. so um, as I you know and, I, and I've traveled through
0: uh, your community uh, quite often, as you travel, you see um, at least I have a significant uh, amount of advertising and billboards mm-hmm. on land. I always kind of mm-hmm. wondered, how's how's that handled? Obviously, there's some revenue there, but yep. is there any other, other
1: things that we would need to be aware of? Traditionally, those are done through uh, a really long-term lease. So you'd see 30, 40-year leases or, a, or an easement um, on the property. So generally, that is going to be ordinary income to the farmer. There's not a lot of... Planning that you can do on those—it's just straight income, exactly.
0: So you'd mentioned to also earlier, and and I know from your practice that you deal with a lot of farms that have been um, passed down generation to generation mm-hmm. to generation, and you know the value of the land or the basis of the land is is very low. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the, the the family is faced with some difficult decisions if they. You know, if they have to sell the land or there's a death, what about a gift, a gifting
1: of, 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 of land? Is that, you see that happening a lot in your... Yeah, that's a, that is a good question. That's something that a lot of farmers, especially uh, farmers that are coming from the baby boomer generation are facing right now is a lot of their retirement is tied up in land. And so... There is a lot of estate planning that's going to have to be done for the next 15 to 20 years on how, do you, how does the farmer retire if they want to pass down land to the next generation. When you're talking about gifting or giving your land through inheritance, for tax purposes The preferred is to allow it to be passed through inheritance because you get that step up in basis, like you said. So, you know, someone might have bought land for $100 an acre 45 years ago, and now it's worth $10,000 an acre. If they were to sell it right now, they would have a substantial tax consequence. If their children inherit it at their death, their basis in the land now becomes $10,000 an acre and can basically be sold tax-free. So traditionally, when you're looking at the decision between gifting or selling or or passing it through inheritance, we generally shy away from gifting of land for that reason, for that step-up in basis. It's a gift from family member to family exactly. member. But giving it, giving it to a
0: charitable organization, a 501c3 or c6 is... That goes into discussion. Yeah,
1: yep. And that is a that is another very good planning point is giving of land to charities. Uh, not every charity is going to be able to handle that, but there are certainly 501c3s uh, out there that are willing to handle a donation of land. The benefit you get there is you get a donation equal to the fair market value at the date of the gift. Uh instead of your basis, which may be really low, you may have purchased it for a hundred dollars forty years ago, so you get to you get to do two things: you get to take a donation equal to the fair market value as well as escape any tax on that gain that you would have paid if you had sold it so yeah. that is a very good planning point, especially if someone is looking for some some tax write offs and and looking to maybe reduce their Reduce their estate to pass down.
0: You know, in the next few minutes, we only have a few minutes left, and you just scratched the surface on some uh, pretty significant uh, tax planning ideas and tax strategies. The last thing, maybe we should we we could hit, and we just have to touch it briefly because of the time we have. But if I go to sell some land or some acreage, do I have other options? Can I can I trade that land for another parcel I like and and defer the taxes,
1: yeah, no, that's a great question. So let's say you know, let's say you live in Florida and the winters are just too hot, and you want to move back to Ohio and get back to some nice cold winters, you could sell some property that you own in Florida and move back to Ohio, and rather than pay tax on the property down there, you can enter into a ten thirty one exchange, a light kind exchange, and defer all of that gain by purchasing some real estate up here in Ohio. And it doesn't have to be land for land. It can be land for a commercial property or some other sort of real estate. Uh, So that is another great option you have with land that you don't necessarily have with other investments. How about land for a boat and a sports car? Uh, That one you
0: may have to go find someone else. Might be a little tricky. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Our guest today has been uh, Brian Kemp. Uh, principal from Millersburg, Ohio, with Ray and & Associates, and certainly very, very famous in the area of tax strategy and uh, tactics for uh, landowners and agribusiness. Thanks again for joining us on Unsuitable today, Brian. Great insight. Thank you, Dave. I've learned that there are many ways and many more tactics and strategies out there that I, than I originally thought. You opened my eyes as a city boy. Listeners, I hope you are able to walk away with some new valuable information as well. For next week's episode, in celebration of our 100th episode of Unsuitable on Ray Radio, we're excited to feature what we're going to call Ray's definitive list of 100 best business resources for business owners. We've been compiling our favorite business resources, and we can't wait to share these with you. You won't want to miss that episode. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you what you think of this podcast. We'd love to give you a chance to help shape the next 100 episodes. All you have to do is send us your thoughts by email to RayCPA.com or tag us on Twitter using hashtag RayRadio. Until next time, I'm Dave Kane, encouraging you to loosen up your tie and think outside the box.